We're live. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Jonathan Kogan Show. I'm your host, Johnny K. We got breaking news. We got breaking news. We have so much to cover. I got this whole list here, which I was just going to read, but I want to get this podcast today started off on the right foot. All right. So first of all, I got to ask if you're listening to this on YouTube, on Rumble, like it, share it. If you haven't subscribed to the Jonathan Kogan Show, wherever you get your podcast, please do that. Five-star review helps it circulate, get the truth out there because we're just walking into oblivion as a society. We are just, we need to wake up the masses. We need some help. We need some participation because staying quiet isn't working because listen, are you excited for climate lockdowns or no? You know, what are you going to do when you're locked down for the climate? Are you going to say something then? At what point do you speak? You decide. You decide when you want to speak. You want to speak when we're locked down, you know, and can never leave our our pods when we can only eat bugs. At what point do you want to use your voice? At what point? At what point do you want to find courage? Perhaps now? Or do you just want to wait to the end? We're running out of time, people. Running out of time. Come on. Okay. So breaking news first, before I get in this whole concoction list, I got a bunch of videos, got a lot to do. Um, (laughs) This is amazing. This is an amazing story. Ready for this? This is from Chief Nerd. This was just on local news. Ready for this? Oh, my God. New and mysterious Chinese lab has been uncovered in California with mice bioengineered to incubate the COVID-19 virus. Quote, I've never seen anything like this. According to court documents, experts determined that at least 20 potentially infectious viral bacterial and parasitic agents were being stored inadequately, including E. coli, malaria, and COVID. Oh, wow. Those are all Bill Gates' favorite. So this is in California, okay? And there's people who are still under all these psyops and think Gavin Newsom's fantastic, even though he's literally he's an awful human being okay i don't i don't know these people who are saying yeah we should like elect gavin or oh my god biden's the best president of all time it's like it's like listen this is an apolitical podcast but we're not dumb okay we're apolitical for a reason so we could see the truth and if you're saying those things you're either a hack getting paid by the dnc or you're just a fucking idiot okay i don't know those are it's a binary decision you're getting paid to be a hack or you're a fucking moron that's as far as it goes. Listen to this news report. Ready for this? This is unbelievable. This is happening in California. Don't forget. What do they say? What's that quote? Where California goes, uh, you know, the country follows or whatever. Well, here's what the country's going to follow with, baby. Here we go. I've been in government for 25 years. I've never seen anything like this. First at 11, this one is tough to believe. An investigation tonight into a possible illegal medical lab. It was operating at an abandoned warehouse in Reedley. Inside, mice bioengineered to incubate the COVID-19 virus. The lab was discovered near I and 9th Streets. 30 refrigerators and freezers, some broken, were found filled with bodily fluids. Health officials tell us they are shocked at the biological house of horror. CBS 47's Juanita Adame live in studio with the shocking details tonight. Well, Brian, this story is so complicated. There are local, state, and federal agencies all involved. Now, what prompted this investigation was a simple garden hose that was illegally attached and coming out of the back of a building. 
It was back in April inside this abandoned warehouse in Reedley that a discovery so shocking was made that it left local health officials stunned. This is a, a truly unusual situation. I've been in government for 25 years. I've never seen anything like this. I've never have seen this in my 26 year career with the county of Fresno. What was supposed to be an empty building used only for storage was home to an unauthorized lab testing facility, something no one had even conceived of. We um, reach out to our local public health directors throughout the state, um, California, and there's really nobody has really expressed this type type of interaction with a unlicensed lab. So it is something new. The discovery was made after a local code enforcement officer noticed this garden hose poking out a back wall of the building. Frankly, uh, we knew that that shouldn't be there. And when she went to go investigate, she found that there was activity or operation or something happening within that building. The city then obtained several search warrants to enter the building. Once inside, no staff was located, but there was a special room that was built housing about a thousand mice, a thousand white lab mice. And the reason the mice were in the lab was jaw dropping through their statements um, that they were doing some um, some testing on laboratory mice there that would help them support um, developing the COVID test kits that they had on site. Documents show the lab was also being used to produce pregnancy tests. 200 of the nearly 1000 mice were already dead. According to court documents, all the rodents were being caged in, quote, inhumane conditions. Also found thousands of vials, many of which contained biohazards, materials including human blood, unidentified tissue, and other unknown substances. A lot of these are being classified under unknown chemicals. Labels had been removed from bottles, so there was only certain testing we could do to those chemicals. According to court documents, experts determined that at least 20 potentially infectious, viral, bacterial, and parasitic agents were being stored inadequately, including E. coli, malaria, and E. Even COVID. The city of Reedley immediately called in the CDC, the FBI, the California Department of Public Health, and the Fresno County Department of oh, Public great. Health. Oh, great. They probably want to cover it up. Because of that swift action that, that was taken, we really have been able to maintain public safety this entire time. Over the course of several weeks, investigators figured out just what they were up against. And as of now, there are no more biologicals, there are no more mice, but they still will see us abating. Um, you know, there's 30 freezers and fridges, there's medical equipment, there's all sorts of furniture in there and so they'll still see some activity nothing hazardous at this point prado said the owners operated under the name prestige biotech and so far they aren't saying much some of our other federal and state partners still have active investigations going so i really can speak more to the building side of it now again reedley city officials emphasize that the lab had no city approval to operate and was supposed to be vacant. Investigators are working to figure out what to do next. Live here in the studio. That's fantastic. You know what? Since we're just at peak clown world, I hope it's run by military age, male, CCP, Chinese Communist Party uh, people that came into the country illegally that are here to kill people and just opening up a bio lab in California because Gavin Newsom loves uh chopping off testicles and, and injecting people with foreign substances that we don't know anything about. He loves that stuff. That's like his thing, like mandates, force injections, force body part removal for children. He loves it. Just, Oh, he drools about it. And so I hope these people came in illegally. I hope they're a threat to society. I hope we just go peak craziness. Okay. So people can get their heads back on and be like, Hey, maybe we shouldn't let military age people from a country that wants to kill us and take our land, come into our country and create bio labs where hmm, perhaps this actual virus came from a bio lab in that very country of China.
Okay. And maybe there's biolabs and there are biolabs in Ukraine and we're concocting things there too. Oh my God. Enough with the biolabs. Shut them down. Shut them down. So that's live local, local news. That's fantastic. They've never seen this in 25 years. Totally normal. Totally normal. Just come off on unauthorized biolabs with mice injected with viruses that Bill Gates would drool over. Some people go to Pornhub. Bill Gates goes to how many infectious diseases can we give to people.org and just gets off on that. But anyways, that's that. That was breaking news. Wanted to give you that. Now, what do we got? What is it? Is it is it Niger or Niger, the country? Well, there's a coup and France is like, listen, you guys are talking out about France. We're not going to have it. We need that uranium and we're just going to listen. There's going to be military action if you try to go against us because they want to go with Russia. Uh, I'll give you some details on the Hunter Biden plea deal. If you haven't, Glenn Greenwald gives a good explanation. The CDC is very close to authorizing an annual COVID shot. That's fantastic. Hurry up and get yours. Get two, get three, get four. Maybe get free French fries with that. Uh, promoting Victoria Newland, the war pig, who was an advisor to Dick Cheney. You know, it's really amazing. We'll start with that. But then let, let me just give you the rest of the rundown here. Facebook censorship from White House, from Jim Jordan, some breaking stuff. And then even on top of that, some other ba- breaking stuff would just come out. A video I have of uh, a former CIA, 12 years in the CIA. Now, one of the he- he's the head of Meta's which is Facebook Meta's misinformation content moderation policy, but he was the CIA before that. He was FBI before that. He was in the DOD, all this stuff. And now he's running. Co- Get out of here. This is unbelievable. It's sick. Mark Zuckerberg, you should be ashamed. Um, uh, Crimes Against Humanity video compilation of them knowing that it was a pandemic, which means it was a plandemic, but you already know that unless you're new here. Welcome to the John the Kogan show. Uh, Bernie Sanders and all the Dems. Uh, voted no on having an inspector general on all of our money that's going to Ukraine. Now you tell me just why, what would be, give me one good reason. Just one. That's all I ask. One good reason why a Senator would vote no to having hundreds of billions of dollars sent from taxpayers for, and to have an audit with that. Why would you vote? No, just tell me a reason. I just want to know one reason why that's good. Because the only thing I can think of is you would vote no if somehow that money was making it back to you. It makes no sense. Why would you not want an audit on the money? Like, why? Why? It makes no sense. So something's going on. You know, it's FTX. This is a massive money laundering scheme. But don't worry. It's going back to, you know, the the military industrial complex. It's going back to, you know, the Dems, whatever. Uh, We know what's going on. We're not dumb. And then I got an earthquake. We might be having a big earthquake here in the next few days. This channel predicted the last earthquake that was massive in Turkey. And he's saying that everything's aligned. I'll play it for you. It's pretty interesting about how we're aligned up for a massive earthquake, the same size or bigger in the next, I think, three days. I think uh, the first or the, I think the first of August or 31st. Well, we'll get into it. Anyways, first things first, my people come first. All right. First of all, I hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you're listening to this. Thank you for being a part of the Jonathan Cook Show. Thank you for being awakened. Hopefully you're sharing this with people so we can, you know, figure this shit out and like pull society together. That'd be cool. So uh, where should we start? Oh, yeah. Let's do Victoria Newland real quick. This is just absolutely sensational. Okay. Now, I just get a tweet on this, which is at KOGZ. And um, I think it uh, is a good tweet. And I'll play the clip from uh, Kim Iverson. Uh, which is good. So as you know, actually, we'll just cover it all in the tweet here. Here we go. 
I go in honor of Victoria Newland being promoted. Yes, promoted. I'd like to cover a few important points. Here's the first one. Per her Wikipedia, okay, her Wikipedia, which we know is edited by the CIA, all those people. Per her Wikipedia, it says, quote, from 2003 to 2005, Newland served as the principal deputy foreign policy advisor to Vice President Dick Cheney, exercising an influential role during the Iraq war. Now, I had no idea that these, I'll just read what I wrote. I wrote it. I go, I had no idea that people who love Joe Biden and even go as far as to say he's the best president ever were so supportive of George W. Bush's foreign policy. She was literally an advisor to Dick Cheney, who was the biggest war criminal to serve as a vice president ever. Correct me if I'm wrong. I had no idea. These people loved I thought they hate Republicans, they're fascists, all these people. And now you have the same people that architected Bush's foreign policy now doing Biden's. But because they have a D next to their name, they're cool. They're awesome. And we must listen to what they say. And anything that someone else says is conspiracy theory. But if it came from George Bush and a Republican, well, then they're fascist. Okay, that makes a lot of sense, right? Use your thinking, people. It's unbelievable. Like I said, you're either a political hack or... You're bored. You maybe you're retarded. I don't know. Sorry for the language, but maybe you're retarded. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I'm sorry. I don't want to say words like that, but someone has to tell the truth around here. And that's what this podcast is for. Sure. It gets uncomfortable. Things get awkward, but at least you get to use your God-given critical thinking skills to come up with the conclusions. Point number two, the narrative is that this war was completely quote unprovoked and Putin woke up one day and just wanted to invade Ukraine. Additionally, we had nothing to do with the coup in 2014, which overthrew the democratically elected government in Ukraine. Well, if you listen to this clip, which you're going to hear shortly, you will hear Newland talking about who to put into power and who not during this coup that we supposedly had nothing to do with. Yeah, sure. So you're about to listen to this phone call that Newland had with the um, our ambassador to Ukraine, our former ambassador to Ukraine from the U.S., of who the, who should be running the show through this transition, you know, how to set up, you know, this meeting with three potential leaders. You'll hear it. You'll hear it. Okay. But we had nothing to do with it. It was unprovoked. Number three, Newland's obsession with Russia slash Soviet Union goes back to 1993, where she served as chief of staff to Deputy, Deputy Secretary of State Strobe Talbot in Bill Clinton's presidency before moving on to serve as deputy director for former Soviet Union affairs. Basically, she's been at this for a long time. Point number four. In December 2013, the year before the coup, she said in a speech to the U.S.-Ukraine Foundation that the U.S. had spent about $5 billion on, quote, democracy-building programs in Ukraine since 1991. Democracy-building programs who we know is also run by your boy, George Soros. Oh, which brings me to another funny one, which I'll get into in a second. And number five, Kim raises an interesting point at the end of this video. Is that how Biden became president? Was this part of the plan? Biden becomes president, even though he didn't win the first couple primary races in the Democratic primary, which is unheard of. The guy disappeared during the campaign. Nobody saw him. And suddenly he wins overnight. Is this why? Because we were planning all along for this move against Russia to provoke Russia to invade, and we knew they would do that? Well, let's play some of this clip. I had a nine-minute clip, but I'm going to shorten. I'm going to play you. Uh, I, I, I just started right before that phone call. 
And if you haven't heard this phone call, very important that you hear this phone call because we're being told things that are not true. Actually, you know what? Maybe they're true. You think use your own brain cells if you have any left. Here we go. Figure out the transition during this coup in Ukraine that they claim they had nothing to do with. So let's go ahead and play this call. What do you think? Uh, I think we're in play. Um, the the uh, Klitschko piece is obviously the complicated electron here, um, especially the announcement of him as deputy prime minister. And, and you've seen some of my notes on the troubles in the marriage right now. So we're trying to get a read really fast on where he is on this stuff. But I think your argument to him, which you'll need to make, I think that's the next phone call we want to set up, is exactly the one you made to, to Yacht. And I, I'm glad you sort of put him on the spot on where he fits in this scenario. And I'm very glad he said what he said in response. Good. So uh, I don't think Cleet should go into the government. I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess... You think what in terms of him not going into the government, just let him sort of stay out and do his political homework and stuff. I'm just thinking in terms of sort of the process moving ahead, we want to keep the moderate Democrats together. The problem is going to be Tony Book and his guys. And, you know, I'm sure that's part of what Yanukovych is calculating on all of this. Um, I'm I, kinda, I, I, just, I think Yats is the guy who's got the economic experience, the governing experience. He's, he's the guy, you know, what he needs is Cleach and Tony Book on the outside. He needs to be talking to them four times a week. You know, I, I, I just think Cleach going in, he's going to be at that level working for Yatsenyuk. It's just not going to work. Yeah, no, I think, you know? I think that's right. Okay. Good. Well, do you want us to try to set up a call with him as the next step? My understanding from that call, but you tell me, was that the big three were going into their own meeting and that Yats was going to offer in that context a, a three-way, you know, the three-plus-one conversation or three-plus-two with you. Is that not how you understood it? No, I think, I mean, that's what he proposed. But I think just knowing the dynamic that's been with them where um, – Klitschko has been the top dog. He's going to take a while to show up for whatever meeting they've got. He's probably talking to his guys at this point. So I think you reaching out directly to him helps with the personality management among the three. And it, and it gives you also a chance to move fast on all this stuff and put us behind it, behind it before they all sit down and he, um, he explains why he doesn't like it. Okay, good. I'm happy. Why don't you reach out to him and see if he wants to talk before or after? Okay, will do. Thanks. Okay, I've now written, oh, one more wrinkle for you, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, can't remember if I told you this or if I only told Washington this, that when I talked to Jeff Feltman this morning, he had a new name for the UN guy, Robert Seri. Did I write yeah. you that this morning? Yeah, okay. I saw that. He, he's now gotten both Seri and Ban Ki-moon to agree that Seri could come in Monday or Tuesday. Okay. So that would be great, I think, to help glue this thing and have the UN help glue it. And, you know, the EU. No, exactly. And I think we've got to do something to make it stick together because you can be pretty sure that if it does, if it does start to gain altitude, the Russians will be working behind the scenes to try to torpedo it. And again, the fact that this is out there right now, I'm still trying to figure out in my mind why Yanukovych that. But in the meantime, there's a party of regions faction meeting going on right now. And I'm sure there's a lively argument going on in that group at this point. 
But uh, anyway, we could uh, we could land Jolly Side up on this one if we move fast. So let me work on let me work on Klitschko, and if you can just keep, I, I think we want to try to get somebody with an international personality to um, come out here and help to midwife this thing. And then the other the other issue is some kind of outreach to Yanukovych, but we probably regroup on that tomorrow as we see how things start to fall into place. So on that piece, Jeff, uh, when I wrote the note, uh, Sullivan's come back to me, uh, VFR, saying you need Biden, and I said probably tomorrow for an attaboy and to get the deets to stick. So okay. Biden's willing. Okay, great. All right. Thanks. So really interesting there when you listen to that end. So they're talking about all these, uh, the opposition players, and they're saying, oh, this person should be in the government, or this person shouldn't. Well, let's get these guys together. So they're really facilitating the transition out from uh, Yanukovych, who is the pro-Russia or the, the Russia-friendly president in Ukraine who wants to have a good relationship with Russia. And then the uprisings ultimately toppled that government and instilled leaders who were really anti-Russia, pro-West, anti-Russia, and really went along with the U.S.'s agenda. And what's interesting about the end of that phone call when she says, oh, Jeff, hold on, and she starts talking about the U.N., the U.N.'s got another name for us, and then they bring in Biden. They also mentioned Joe Biden. They're talking about the U.N. helping glue this thing together. They're saying, okay, let's bring in people from the U.N., and then the U.N. can really sell this thing. They can help us sell this thing. F the EU, by the way. We don't need their – because they were – the EU wanted to stay out of it more. They were like, oh, let, you know, let's like uh, that part of the world, let them do their thing. And the United States is saying, no, we, we've got an agenda and we are and F the EU and we are going to push our agenda through. And we're going to get some we're going to get some U, UN players out there to help glue this thing together. And we're going to bring out the big dog, Biden. Biden, the big dog is going to come out and really help set this together. You know, some big name on the Internet, some big international personality to come out. That would be Biden. Yeah, they're talking about. So they facilitated very much. They were very much behind this coup in Ukraine that's led us very much to where we are today, uh, giving, knowing that they were provoking Russia by doing this, knowing that they were putting Ukraine, which Russia views very much as its family, putting Ukraine in the grips of the West, antagonizing Russia, pushing Russia to the edge, putting people in government in Ukraine who were very anti-Russia to the point where they were targeting Russian, Russian speakers, Russian ethnic Russians in Ukraine. They were hyper-nationalists. You hear about the Nazis or whatnot. All of that was going on, and Victoria Newland ushered them in. She was the architect who helped that that uh, John McCain said, I'm so pleased with Victoria Newland being there because when she shows up with her cookies, here she is on the ground giving cookies away to the protesters. As the United States is saying, we're not involved. We're, we're taking a, you know, we're just watching. We're just observing and making sure there's no violence. And you've got Victoria Newland on the ground giving out cookies. And you've got this phone call of them facilitating the transition of power and saying, bring out the big dog Biden, which then leads you to wonder, hmm, is that how Biden became president? Was this, you know, part of the plan? Biden becomes president, even though, remember, he didn't even win the first couple of primary races in the Democratic primary, which is like unheard of. The guy disappeared during the campaign. Nobody saw him. Uh, and suddenly he wins overnight. Is this why? Was it because we were planning all along for this move against Russia to provoke Russia to the point where they would invade and we knew that they would do that? Very suspect. I want to please. So what's interesting about that question and observation is don't you just find it weird for just forget all that. Don't you just find it strange that Biden becomes president and then 
the whole world becomes unhinged. There's wars everywhere. We're starting wars everywhere. We're involved with wars everywhere. There's just chaos everywhere. The, the, the country's never been more divided. He ran on unity. He said, it's time to bring the country together. And every other statement his administration says is the extreme MAGA need to basically go away, right? That's 75 million people. 75 million people voted for Donald Trump. And I don't care who voted for who. We're all part of one country. You run up bringing everyone together. I didn't pay attention to politics uh, before they started locking things down and forcing injections in everybody, all that stuff. So I didn't pay attention because it didn't affect my life until then. So you tell me, were things more divided during Trump? Which I, I've, I've heard some things now and look back and it seems like you know it was pretty wild. But are things more divided now or then? Because I feel like now things are off the hinges. Okay, things are just crazy now. Like, just nuts. Like, everybody's at each other's throat. Everything's psychotic. And everyone's lost their mind. Is it worse during Trump or better? I feel like everything's worse. I have no idea because I didn't pay attention. But just just what is it? And why is this happening? Why is there so much controversy happening domestically for everywhere? Everywhere. And we've always wanted to... You know, we've always wanted to take out Russia. We've always wanted to, you know, part of that that blueprint uh, from Zabinsky, uh, the uh, Scar uh, Joe Scarborough's wife on his show. Her dad was a famous architect of foreign policy. He wrote this chessboard book, and that Ukraine was the prize. And we've always wanted that, and we built up towards this. And then, boom! All of a sudden, from Obama, then you skip Trump because we he didn't start new foreign wars. He gets out, Biden comes in, boom, right back at the plan of Ukraine. It's just suspect. It is so suspect, especially when you hear that call. It's just real suspect. Um, and that's not an endorsement for anyone that is being apolitical and observing things with a fucking brain. Okay. Anyways, next. Uh, ooh, Facebook censorship. So we know a lot about this. You know a lot about this. We've covered it massively on this podcast. But now the evidence is just unbelievable. And they even censored memes. And then I want to play a video of you of the guy who I mentioned is was a part of CIA, FBI for 12 years. And then, boom, like is on a video with Renee, whatever her name is. And I'll play who she is, who's been caught red handed, who has made the argument for why censorship, why the First Amendment needs to go. It's the most anti-American thing I've ever heard in my life. But anyways, that's why it's the First Amendment. Because they know the founding fathers knew it was that important freedom of speech, and people are trying to eliminate it. Anyways, this is from Jim Jordan, the representative from Ohio. The Facebook files part one: smoking gun docs prove Facebook censored America's because of Biden White House pressure. Never before released internal documents subpoenaed by the Judiciary Committee prove that Facebook and Instagram censored posts and changed their content moderation policies because of unconstitutional pressure from the Biden White House. During the first half of 2021, social media companies like Facebook faced tremendous pressure from the Biden White House, both publicly and privately, to crack down on alleged misinformation. Yeah, okay, misinformation. In April 2021, a Facebook employee circulated an email for Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg and CEO Sheryl Sandberg writing, quote, We are facing continued pressure from external stakeholders, including the Biden White House, to remove posts. In another April 2021 email, Nick Clegg, Facebook's president for global affairs, informed his team at Facebook that Andy Slavitt, a senior advisor to President Biden, was, quote, outraged that Facebook did not remove a particular post. What did the Biden White House want removed? A meme. That's right. Even memes weren't spared from the Biden White House censorship. And what was that mean? Here's the meme. Ready? If you're not watching it, I'll tell you. It says, 
10 years from now, you will be watching the TV and hear dot, dot, dot. Did you or a loved one take the COVID vaccine? You may be entitled, you know, like a, a asbestos or whatever that they, that they played like forever for like a decade of my life. <laughs> they, that's what the meme was kind of funny. When Clegg quote countered that removing content like that would represent a significant incursion into traditional boundaries of free expression in the U S Slava disregarded the warning and the first amendment. What happened next? Facebook panicked. In another April 2020 email, Brian Rice, Facebook's VP of public policy, raised the concern that Slavich's challenge felt, quote, very much like a crossroads for us with the Biden White House in these early days, close quote. But Facebook wanted to repair its relationship with the White House to avoid adverse action. Quote, given what is at stake here, it would also be a good idea if we could regroup and take stock of where we are in our relations with the White House and our internal methods, too. This wasn't the first time that the Biden White House was angry that Facebook didn't censor more. According to these documents, the Biden White House demanded to know why Facebook had not censored a video from Tucker Carlson. So Facebook prepped its response. To appease the Biden White House, talking points were drafted for Clegg. Facebook was ready to tell the White House that it had demoted a video posted by Tucker Carlson by 50% in response to the White House's demands even though the post did not violate any policies. Public pressure mounted as well. In July 2021, President Biden publicly denounced Facebook and other social media platforms claiming they were, quote, killing people by not censoring alleged, quote, misinformation. A link to Reuters. On August 2nd, 2021, Facebook admitted it was going to change its policies because of pressure from the Biden White House. August 2nd, 2021. Quote, Facebook's leadership asked misinfo policy to brainstorm some additional policy levers we can pull to be more aggressive against misinformation. This is stemming from the continued criticism of our approach from the Biden administration. Why this all happened all of a sudden? Uh, we, have a, we have a change. They, 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 all these agencies, everyone hates Trump. Then you bring in Biden, things are supposed to go to normal, and they go full dictatorship. Like full dictatorship. They circumvent and violate the First Amendment. Full dis- dictatorship. And people are like, yeah, he's the greatest of all time. Oh my God, I've never had, oh my God. It's like Abraham Lincoln, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, all wrapped into one. Okay, but it wasn't just the White House. Facebook also changes policies in direct response to pressure from Biden's Surgeon General, censoring members of the quote, dis- disinformation dozen, which by the way, did the disinformation dozen were actually the information dozen that told the truth. And the disinformation dozen was basically everybody in mainstream media and Fauci and everybody else. These documents and others that were just produced to the committee proved that the Biden admin abused its powers to coerce Facebook into censoring America's preventing free and open discourse on issues of critical public importance. Probably the most important time ever for public discourse. But people just seem to forget they don't care. Violation of the First Amendment. They mandated an experimental medication. They didn't tell you about the adverse side effects. They, people got fired from their jobs. The world, you were locked down in your home against your will. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And they just don't talk about it in the news and just moves on. Only after the committee announced its intention to hold Mark Zuckerberg in contempt did Facebook produce any internal documents to the committee, including these documents, which proved that government pressure was directly responsible for censorship on Facebook. Based on Facebook's newfound commitment to fully cooperate with the committee's investigation, the committee has decided to hold contempt in abeyance for now. To be clear, contempt is still on the table and will be used if Facebook fails to cooperate in full. Now, based off of that, I want to play a video that just started circulating just now. 
from uh, the use from Twitter uh, from name redacted on Twitter. And uh, it's a short video of how this CIA operative turned head of misinfo at Facebook and Meta or whatever, uh, how they, what they do, how they censor information. So here's the post from name redacted. Facebook executive admits to censorship of COVID misinformation, including true content leading to vaccine hesitancy. Former CIA operative Aaron Berman, currently head of Meta's misinformation policy and head of elections content policy, is interviewed by CIA Renee DeResta, which we'll get more into Renee DeResta, which we have before. Aaron Berman states the following. We do reduce the distribution of certain content about vaccines that doesn't otherwise violate our policies. He goes on to describe in detail Facebook's efforts to censor posts about COVID and vaccines, including consultations with WHO, health experts, and fact, fact checkers. Jim Jordan has released selected and cropped emails received from Meta suggesting that Facebook would not have censored content about COVID if it weren't for pressure from the Biden White House. This claim is misleading as Meta was a willing partner in this censorship effort. In the below Jordan tweet, you can see he has unredacted names of the of only two Facebook employees, but many other names remain redacted, including Aaron Berman. Why is that? If Jim Jordan were fully transparent and published all documents received by Meta with no redactions, you would see an alarming number of people currently working for Meta, including Aaron Berman, who used to work for the CIA, the FBI, the DIH, CISA, the DOD, the State Department, the NSA, and DOJ, all hired since 2018. Almost like they were planning for something happening at the end of 2019. Hmm. Hmm. Plandemic. Jordan won't do this because it collapses his narrative and exposes a larger operation where the intelligence community has infiltrated social media platforms similar to Operation Mockingbird to censor, manipulate, interfere in elections, and conduct disinformation operations. Please, if you haven't read about Operation Mockingbird, please go do that on your own. Here's Renee DeResta from Stanford. Uh, Five-minute interview, we'll play a little bit of it uh, with, with the CIA ops and how they, you know, how they do this policy. Remember, this is a CIA operative who now is the head of content misinfo at Meta. We can actually start with remove, reduce, and form because it just gets at that moderation framework. And we can ask um, our, uh, our friend from Facebook to start in with that one. Sure. Thanks, Renee. And thanks for having me. I'm uh, excited to be part of this conversation and this um, important topic. Um, yeah, so remove, reduce, and form in general, like at Facebook. That's a framework we think about for general content moderation, where we could remove content completely from the platform, reduce its distribution um, in some way, such that people are less likely to see it in their feeds, or inform users in some way, such as by adding labels or warning screens or the like. I can explain, uh, excuse me, I can explain briefly how we apply that philosophy to uh, COVID-19 misinformation uh, in particular, and I'm actually going to describe it um, backwards. I'll start with inform first, and then uh, remove and uh, reduce. So. Our three-pronged strategy here for COVID misinformation is um, first promoting vaccines and authoritative information. That's uh, the informed pillar. Also removing harmful misinformation and then addressing borderline content that could lead to vaccine hesitancy, which falls under the reduce idea. Um, on, the, on the first part, promoting vaccines and authoritative information. I mean, Facebook is obviously we have quite a large user base. So we've been able to direct more than 2 billion people worldwide to expert um, to expert health resources through our coronavirus misinformation, excuse me, our coronavirus information center. Ooh, is that a little bit of a Freudian slip there? Huh, because their information center was misinformation. Find in your um, in your Facebook app if you use Facebook. 
And just for some other examples, more specifically, how we're informing people and getting authoritative information to people. Um, we help people find vaccine appointments in their areas through messages and newsfeed. Uh, we help people get questions answered not only through the COVID Information Center, but also through ad impressions that we um, that we support partners on, such as facts about COVID ad campaigns. Uh, we uh, enable social norming through profile frames. So in the United States, and I'm sure many people here have used this, um, more than 50% of Facebook users have seen someone that they follow use a profile frame and feed. Um, and then in addition on informing, we're um, partnering with other organizations to reach um, low vaccination rate communities, such as with, um, you know, the frames where it says like, Hey, I got vaccinated. I can be a great person too. And then like a year later, they're dead. Campaigns featuring black doctors, nurses, or Spanish language campaigns. And we are using um, data that we're collecting in partnerships with academic institutions to, um, to judge the impact of this uh, over time. Um, I'll also note on the informed side, when it comes to users who have interacted with false or misleading claims, we also inform them in those uh, situations. So just for some examples, we add labels on posts about COVID-19 and vaccines to show additional information from the WHO. Um, and um, when we do remove misinformation from the platform, which I'll talk about in a second, we built a tool so that um, we notify users who saw that misinformation before we removed it so that they have access to the authoritative information that corrects it. So that's in a, in a large bucket are uh, part of our inform work here. On remove for COVID-19, um, we do have a policy to remove harmful misinformation related to this topic. Uh, specifically, we remove content that has been debunked as false and leading to physical harm by public health experts related to the pandemic. So these are things like fake preventative measures, claims the virus doesn't exist, or um, this also includes a variety of claims about vaccines. Uh, the idea here is to uh, remove misinformation that could lead to imminent physical harm by somebody maybe not receiving appropriate treatment or exposing themselves to the disease. Um, so on vaccines specifically, in December last year, we started removing false claims about the vaccine, again, that fall within this category. And we've expanded the list of claims we remove about vaccines in general earlier this year in consultation with health experts. And we're continuing to make uh, updates to these policies as trends emerge, um, including just this week, in fact. And we also remove uh, pages, groups, and Instagram accounts that repeatedly violate these policies to get at those entities that might uh, repeatedly spread this content. And then finally, the third part of the strategy, addressing borderline content. First of all, how can these people live with themselves? They're literally destroying the constitution and country that they live in. What do they think is going to happen to them? They're morons. Sorry, I had to say that. Which could lead to vaccine hesitancy, which falls into the reduced area. Um, so we do reduce the distribution of certain content uh, about vaccines that doesn't otherwise violate our policies. And our approach here is really grounded in guidance that we've gotten from health experts that uh, who've emphasized the idea that overcoming vaccine hesitancy really depends on people being able to ask legitimate questions about safety and efficacy and get those questions answered by trusted sources. But at the same time, we also realize that certain of this content could could lead to hesitancy. Um, so we we reduce its distribution and. Similarly, for content that, again, does not violate our policies, we also work with a global network of more than 80 fact-checking organizations around the world in more than 60 languages. And for with these partners, when they find posts, including about COVID or vaccines, that they rate as false, we reduce their distribution. We also, um, this is part of our informed strategy. And, and, and who funds those fact-checkers? 
like 90% of them, Bill Gates. And don't forget, I'm going to play right here. Don't forget, Mark Zuckerberg, the CEO of Meta, said this not that long ago on uh, Lex Freeman. Don't forget that. He literally just said this. This is Glenn Greenwald you're about to hear. It is disturbing enough and dangerous enough if the U.S. government is trying to get material censored that deviates from their narratives or from their orthodoxies. But the fact that they were trying to get censored off the Internet, viewpoints and arguments that turned out to be true, because what the government was saying was false, should make, honestly, I know this is a cliche, but any American extremely disturbed and disturbed by the highest levels of the executive branch, pressuring big tech companies to censor the internet by removing dissent that is actually proven to be true. What is it that would disturb you if that does not? Here's Mark Zuckerberg in a podcast discussion explaining exactly what I just previewed. So misinformation, I think, is... um has been a really tricky one because there are things that are kind of obviously false, right? That are maybe factual, um, but may not be harmful. Um, so it's like, all right, are you going to censor someone for just being wrong? It's, you know, if, if there's no kind of harm implication of what they're doing, I think that that's, there's, there's a bunch of real kind of issues and challenges there, but then I think that there are other places where it is, um, just take some of the stuff around COVID earlier on in the pandemic where um, there were, you know, real health implications, but there hadn't been time to fully vet about scientific assumptions. And, you know, unfortunately, I think a lot of the kind of establishment on that, um, you know, kind of waffled on a bunch of facts and, you know, asked for a bunch of things to be censored that in retrospect ended up being, you know, more debatable or, or true. And that stuff is really tough, right? And really undermines trust in, in, in that. And um... now, I... Is that unbelievable? Things that turned out to be true, that were censored by the government, which every government that became totalitarian, or that is totalitarian, controls speech, and they censor it for their political advantage. And now you know that our government in the United States of America and pretty much all the West censored information in collusion with social media companies because they couldn't do it themselves because it's unconstitutional. It's also unconstitutional to do it through social media companies. But they did that, and they censored things that were true during a pandemic, a pandemic, but a pandemic that was killing people where we could have exchanged data and found out what saved lives. But instead, they told us things that were not true that actually killed more people. More people died because of this. And there are literally a fact, a, a certain amount of people still cheering on this regime and what's going on. That is psychotic. Okay. What, seriously, like Glenn, what would disturb you if controlling speech and that speech turned out to be true? What would disturb you if that doesn't disturb you? I mean, what? Just tell me. I, I mean, that, this is it. This is it, baby. This is all the marbles right here. I mean, this is crazy. Let's get back into the Facebook files part two after Zuck's just, God. I have no respect for him at all. None. Zero. Zero. The Facebook files, part two. Newly subpoenaed documents reveal Facebook bowed to the Biden White House pressure to remove posts. It was in the Wall Street Journal, by the way. In the summer of 2021, the White House was mounting a nationwide push for Americans to get vaccinated for COVID-19. 
Part of that push included a public and secret campaign to get Facebook to more aggressively police vaccine-related content, including true information. This wasn't the Biden admin's first pressure campaign. In July 2021, Facebook's head of global affairs asked why Facebook had been censoring the COVID lab leak theory. The answer was clear, quote, because we were under pressure from the administration, we shouldn't have done it, close quote. Biden administration officials claim, by the way, if you thought it came from a lab, you were a racist and hate Chinese people. But if it came from a dirty wet market where they eat like live chinchillas, that's totally cool. That's not defamatory. That, that, that's fine. But when you say that the virus came from literally the laboratory that says the Wuhan Institute of Virology, where they study the exact viruses that are infecting everybody, that makes you a conspiracy theorist. Okay. Yeah, sure. All right. Yeah. Just want to make sure we're on the same page. Biden administration officials claimed that many Americans were hesitant to get vaccines because of content, including true information that they saw on Facebook. Quote, they're killing people, President Biden said in July. God, such a horrible human being. Facebook employees initially bristled at President Biden's accusation, but the tongue lashing directly caused Facebook to reevaluate its policies about COVID-19 content and discussions that involved high level company officials, including Clegg and then Chief Operating Officer Cheryl Sandberg. Yeah, she probably retired because she knew she, how do I put this lightly, fucked up. What did the White House want removed? Humorous posts about the vaccine. Seriously, jokes were too much. So satire, you can't have satire because you can't tell if it's satire. Uh, the Biden administration also wanted Facebook to remove true information as well. As Clegg prepared to meet Biden's Surgeon, Surgeon General, he emailed colleagues, quote, Cheryl is keen that we continue to explore some moves that we can make to show that we are trying to be responsive to the White House. Facebook even considering black holing certain domains. Clegg continued, quote, my sense is that our current course, in effect, explaining ourselves more fully, but not shifting on where we draw the lines is a recipe for protracted, increasing acrimony from the White House. Facebook's leadership relented in August and agreed to change the company's content moderation policies because of the Biden admin's continued pressure and Facebook caved to the White House again. These subpoena documents continue to reveal that Biden's administration's effort to censor speech, literally the most important part of the entire constitution, the whole thing, the thing that the whole reason we're the United States of America, the whole thing falls upon the first amendment, the freedom of speech. They're taking that away. And you got half the country going, yeah, this guy's the best guy ever. This is fantastic. Life has never been better. Are you, something's going on. It's like either our government hates our guts and at least despise us or someone's hijacked the current administration. Something's going on. This is not normal. This has never happened before. And it happened immediately when Biden got into office. Like, just ask yourself, what is going on? And just to go back to, uh, what's her name? Uh, Renee. We know about Renee. We know about the CIA operative who's behind all this. This was just yesterday or today, yesterday, on uh, uh, Dark Horse with uh, Brett Weinstein and Michael Schellenberger talking about a Renee DiResta. Uh, it, it's not, here, just listen to it. Mention Renee DiResta. In the interest of full disclosure, I know Renee DiResta. Not well, but... Uh, I've broken bread with her. Um, it's not surprising to me at all that she has a CIA background. But am I mistaken in recalling a, in fact, very recent podcast in which you and Renee and Barry Weiss yeah. and Sam Harris gathered? So first of all, tell us, tell us about that. This is not a caught red-handed thing. I'm not saying gotcha. I'm just saying interesting that you would be talking about renee deresta as a um as the most fascinating boring person in history no, no. by virtue 
Oh no, I don't think she's boring no. at all. Right, right. That's no, no, what I mean. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I think superficially boring. No, no. I think she's. A, I think she's dangerous and needs to be disempowered and has been disempowered by our research and our writing. Um, I think yep. she's the. I mean, I'm not saying there's not somebody else behind her, but I actually, whether or not there is, and, and I think it might be Michael McFall, or at least she's someone she that he, she works closely with, and he's ostensibly her boss at Stanford. Um, I think she's the one that's done the most important intellectual work to make the case for censorship and to do censorship and to actually actively censor people like you. Um, so, um, I mean, I've written a lot about it. People should read, uh, most importantly, just called Why Renee DiResta Leads the Censorship Industry. That's the, the big piece that we did on her, but also she's in both of my congressional testimonies um, and also discussed her on Joe Rogan. But... Um, She's a, va a fascinating person. Um, I uh, on the podcast with Sam, I did not yet understand what how important she was. I knew she was important, but I didn't know. I didn't know that what she had done with the Election Integrity Project and the Virality Project, which were the two main censorship programs in 2020 and 2021. Nor did I understand. Her, is, it her, is it fair to say? Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but is it fair to say you did not know? It's not just the extent of her importance that you didn't know, but you didn't know in what way she was important? Nor did I know that, that she fair? was overseeing the censorship program, nor had she talked about it um, or had made much hay of it. Um, um, certainly not on the podcast. She's very, very disciplined and careful with how she talks in every situation. Um, having now watched many hours of Renee DiResta in various contexts, and she's always... She's, um, you know, she's interesting. She always is sort of the number two person, but yet she's always obviously smarter than the number one guy. Um, you know, she has this whole, I think, completely contrived and ridiculous um, background story that she was just an anti, that she was just a, a pro-vaccine mom. Um, that's all. And she just started uh, being concerned about disinfo on Facebook. I don't believe any of it. Um, she then suddenly found herself advising Obama on fighting ISIS, which is just this bizarre. I mean, when you understand how hierarchical military intelligence cultures are to kind of imagine some hobbyist pro-vaccine mom from the Bay Area suddenly advising Obama on fighting ISIS, it's just absurd. Um, yep. So um, she's a fast person. Um, I just want to make sure you heard that. Her story, supposedly she's a pro-vaccine mother who was just very concerned about disinfo because she cares so much about other people's kids. And then, so she wants to get involved in helping with the disinfo against vaccines or what she calls disinfo against vaccines. And uh, she ends up very shortly fighting, helping to fight ISIS with Obama. Okay, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Totally adds up. You know, I, I don't want to spend, I, I try not to overemphasize it because for two reasons, one, I, I don't want to personalize it because it isn't a personal issue. Actually, um, I, I think when I share yeah. some common views of COVID and homelessness, for example. Um, you know, I think she's higher in, in a personality description. She'd be higher on orderliness and industriousness. I bet she's pretty high on conscientiousness. Um, I think that's the type of person that has not cared for the open drug scenes and open drug dealing, nor do I think she's a climate, nor do I think she was a climate alarmist. I think actually she was probably really opposed to the stay at home orders for kids. So I want to remain human about this. Um, I, I suspect, like I've always said, I'm sure like in her private life, she might be a perfectly good person, but the work she did censoring ordinary Americans is absolutely unethical, violates the constitution. 
She needs to be held to account for it. She is being uh, sued right now. Um, she did bad things so wait, wait, I, and she abused power and there's, and she's been secretive and there's a lot more going on than she's been honest about. So um, I don't want to personalize this, but I do think the example of Renee DiResta is so significant that we need to spend a little time here and it doesn't have to be personal at all. In fact, I would say, look, Renee, if you're watching, come clean, right? What you did was unpatriotic. The route back is to tell us about it. How did it happen? How did you find yourself doing this work that any rational person would understand as a violation of our most important constitutional right? And as somebody who was a victim of that, I will welcome you with open arms if you'll come clean about the whole thing so that we as citizens can understand what it is and we can fix our structure. So this isn't personal. But I do want to point out, am I correct? Renee DiResta has been a guest on Joe Rogan's program. Yes. Yes. Guest on Joe Rogan's program. I ran into her at a conference of, let's just say, uh, intellectually minded people who had gathered to talk about the important issues of the day. A conference that was put together just for people to gather and discuss important things. Okay. Um, you find yourself on a podcast with Renee DiResta and Sam Harris. Sam Harris, who has played his own role. Now, Sam Harris is not a government entity. He is not obligated to be truthful or decent or analytically consistent or anything. So I'm not suggesting that Sam has uh, violated any uh, principle other than common decency in what he did. But the fact that you, who are now one of the most important nodes in the dissident network fighting this cryptic suppression of speech, found yourself podcastly on a team with Sam Harris, Renee DiResta, and Barry Weiss is fascinating. And my point is not really about Renee DiResta. It's about Whatever it is that Renee DiResta is doing, the phony story that you point to couldn't possibly be right, where as a, you know, pro-vaccine mom, she finds herself uh, advising the Pentagon. Well, that same uh, unbelievableness accompanies her movement through the sphere of people trying to make sense of the world. And how much does it have to do with, for example, Sam Harris's profound confusion of late, right? I will point out to you that Rene Duresta is central to the story of both uh, the suppression of actual information and analysis on COVID, but also the Biden laptop story yes. during the election, right? So, and, and Sam had uh, Rene on as a guest uh, on the now thoroughly debunked um, yeah, Russian collusion story. So, I'll so I guess my point Sam. is, it is not surprising. I said I'm happy say to say again? something about Sam. What? Well, I would love for you to. Um, as you probably know, my relationship with Sam has become very complicated, and I hold Sam responsible for that. But Sam is also somebody I would welcome back with open arms yeah. if he would come clean about what happened. Would I? So, I that's I mean, I my am. view of Sam is that, first of all, I really loved his book, um, The End of Faith. And I, I love, I think the meditation stuff is important. 
Um, I think, uh, you know, in terms of expanding the range of human potential and human creativity, um, I think pushing back on Islam is, is important, although I also think it can be a religion of peace and love. I really believe that. Um, but, you know, Sam has a very wrong core worldview um, that is sort of astonishing in its simplicity and childlike kind of nature, which is what I think he calls philosophical realism. But it basically doesn't deal with any of the most important ideas of philosophical thought of the last 300 years, starting with Hume and the notion that we're actually driven by emotions and instincts and that we're, ironically, for someone who says he's an atheist and says that we're driven by emotions and passions, he has, I think, a great overestimation of his ability to avoid being trapped in various emotionally and proud and pride-bound arguments that have to do with his own overestimation of his abilities. And I think also is platonic and fundamentally believes that sort of the world is apprehended by science and that the world somehow stays the same, but of course it doesn't. And so when you look at something like vaccine evidence, efficacy, my colleague Alex Gutentag is really helping me understand better, but particularly this person, Norman Fenton, has done this extraordinarily, I think, helpful explanation of how they manipulated um, the uh, claims around vaccine efficacy, uh, claiming 95% uh, uh, relative efficacy for vaccines that were less than 1% absolute efficacy and never explaining the difference to people, which is just dishonest, immoral, unethical. Um, but that also that those rates of efficacy change with different variants um, over time and with population dynamics. And so the idea that you would pre-bunk something about a vaccine's efficacy in the future to describe in, in the present to describe in the future is grossly unscientific it's absolutely metaphysical it's basically a religious view um, we know what the truth is going to be next year on a fast changing rapidly changing virus and pandemic it's it's ridiculous it's absolutely absurd um, what's more we simply do not decide what's good or bad based uh, on science um, uh, tells us what is. Hume is correct. Uh, you cannot derive a what ought to be from an is, at least not in any sort of direct way or without some broader appeal to human morality. Um, human morality is complex. It's important. It's, it exists in institutions. There's all sorts of type one thinking involved in it, which actually have been protective of cultures. It's um, So I think he's got a view of the world that is I just think just almost childlike in its simplicity and its wrongness. It's debunked every philo every philosophy student in college was to get rid of that stuff when they study Hume, you know, and when they study basic philosophy and basic cognitive science. And he seems to think he's got this picture of the world that the experts are, are more right than wrong and more right than the public. But Philip Tedlock debunked even that, showing that expert predictions about the future are no better than the average prediction of others, which are no better than um, than random, because we're terrible, terrible, terrible at predicting the future, because we're terrible at predicting human behavior, and we're terrible at predicting collective human behavior in the future. So I just found, I find Sam, he made an interesting polemical intervention on Islam, but since then, it's honestly been scientistic, reductive, um, hubristic, um, and I think that's why he ends up finding himself taken advantage of grifters and uh, censor. It's advantage. Taking advantage.
so I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to take it. So Sam obviously did turn into a moron. Um, it's amazing. People put their whole reputation on the line for something they knew nothing about. And I've said this on, I said this over a year ago. It's been a year now, which is when they said that the vaccine was a hundred percent effective. It was uh, to the tune of two people died in the vaccine group and one person died in the unvaccinated group or other way around two died in the va- unvaccinated one died in the vaccinated. So relative Two is 100% greater than one. And so they would tell you the vaccine is 100% effective, but you don't want to know relative to the, to the size, like, oh, one and two. No, you want to know in absolute terms what is it effective. And it was like below 1%, or they didn't even test it. They just totally manipulated the data to just psyop everybody. And the amount of people that got psyop still blows my mind to this day. I still have friends that are idiots. Um, but it is what it is. You know, if you want to be dumb, you could be dumb. So speaking about this, uh, let's talk about, uh, no one predicting, uh, this pandemic or should I say pandemic, 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 pandemic. This is a nice little compilation from Texas Lindsay predictors of the profitable pandemic. Now you'll hear at the beginning, they never thought this would be a billion dollar opportunity. No way. No way. And if you're not watching this, you should watch on rumble. I can't put this on YouTube. You can look it up on rumble, the Jonathan Cogan show. But, uh, if you're listening to this, you could still make sense of what's happening. This is unbelievable. This starts off with Dr. Francis Collins, the former NIH director. One of the vaccines, the one that's furthest along was started actually at the federal government and our own vaccine research center at NIH, and then worked with a biotechnology company called Moderna to get to where we are now. That one, of course, we do have some particular uh, stake in the intellectual property. I don't hear any of them say they think this is a moneymaker. Nobody sees this as a way to make billions of dollars. Pfizer did raise their guide and estimates 15 billion in 2021 uh, COVID vaccine sales sell at least 19 billion dollars of the COVID-19 vaccine this year. We recently made a 400 million dollar payment to the NIH for uh, an old patent that they had developed. Is the CEO of Moderna, Stefan Bonsell. Let me ask you what the Daily Mail is reporting. It says more evidence COVID was tinkered with in a lab. Now scientists find the virus contains a tiny chunk of DNA that matches sequence patented by Moderna three years before the pandemic began. What can you tell us? So uh, is it possible that the Wuhan lab in China was working on uh, viruses uh, enhancement or gene modification? It is possible. I I mean, I was struck by the line, it matched a genetic sequence patented by Moderna. When the pandemic happened, Moderna had made 100,000 doses in 2019 for the whole year. And I remember walking after Davos into the office of my head of manufacturing and I say, how we make a billion dollars next year? And you look at me a bit funny, say, what? Uh, I say, yeah, we need to make a billion dollars next year. There's going to be a pandemic. Uh, I say, yeah, we need to make a billion dollars next year. There's going to be a pandemic. I want to make sure you heard that. He walked into his manufacturing facility after making 100,000 doses or whatever and said, how do we make a billion doses next year? And the guy was confused. He goes, yeah, there's going to be a pandemic. And then a pandemic happened. What did the fact checker say about that one? He said, yeah, there's going to be a pandemic next year. And guess what? He nailed it. He got it. And they need a billion doses. Unbelievable. Come on, people. Wake up. Wake up. This is Fauci. No question that there will be a challenge to the coming administration in the arena of infectious diseases. But also there will be a surprise outbreak. There will be a surprise outbreak. Anyway, so let me just go on about 
NIH lifts funding pause on gain-of-function research. I think this is going to be foolproof. Things are going to slip through. And then the other thing that I aspirationally hope to be able to encounter is the ability to rapidly respond to something brand new, whether it's a brand new pandemic or, as you mentioned, a brand new, a brand new attack upon us deliberately by bioterror. Senator Paul, I have never lied before the Congress. And in that email, he basically says, yes, we're suspicious that this could be a manipulated virus wow. because it came from a lab in Wuhan where they do gain-of-function research. He describes the research. Well, this directly contradicts everything he said in committee hearing to me, denying absolutely that they funded any gain-of-function. And it absolutely is a lie. That's why we ended up referring him again this week to the Department of Justice mm. for prosecution for lying to Congress. Some of it affects you. You're, yeah. you're part of these conspiracy theories. That is a very weird thing, that just because I support vaccines, people are saying, no, I, you know, I make money from vaccines. You invested $10 billion in vaccinations over the last two decades. And you figured out the return on investment for that. And it kind of stunned me. Can you walk us through the math? Our foundation uh, is a bit more than $10 billion, uh, But we feel there's been over a 20 to 1 return. So if you just look at the economic benefits. So, hey, military are big. I thought, you know, let's, yeah, let's yeah. get some of that money against this cause. He's welcome, Mr. Bill Gates. We also face a new threat. The next epidemic uh, has good chance of originating on a computer screen of a terrorist intent on using genetic engineering to create a synthetic version of contagious and highly deadly strain of flu. Whether it occurs by the quirk of nature or at the hand of a terrorist. Now the pandemic, now the pandemic was completely unexpected. And you, Bill, predicted it already and warned us in a famous video on YouTube in 2015. Today, the greatest risk of global catastrophe doesn't look like this. Instead, it looks like this. You just referenced intentional pandemics. Do you um, harbor any doubts about the origins of COVID-19? No, the evidence is, is very clear that it's naturally caused. Um, you know, it's a, a bad virus. And we're going to have natural epidemics, and sadly, we may have some unnatural epidemics in the future. We need to be prepared for the next pandemic. This guy is a criminal. This guy is a psychopathic criminal that is spreading viruses across the world and killing people. And he's just walking around telling us to prepare for the next one. And there is zero accountability. What are we thinking? Can the peasants come together and be like, hey, we want some accountability for this pandemic that was planned and manipulated and lied. And then a whole censorship industrial complex was formed and everybody was 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 deprived of their free speech, at least in the U.S. with our rights. And the Constitution was violated. The Bill of Rights was clobbered and that they're going to do it again. Can we have some accountability? You know, in Nuremberg, they hung people. All right. I'm just asking for some accountability. Like, hey, oops, we fucked up. Or, hey, maybe you should go to jail for a little bit or prison for life. Or maybe you should be hung. I don't know. But there should be some sort of accountability. Is that okay? Is that too much to ask? I don't think it's too much to ask. Literally millions and millions of people were killed from COVID, the virus itself. Okay. So forget about the vaccine and what you think on that. Okay. Which is definitely kill people, obviously. But just the virus itself. 
is a is a bioweapon. Okay, so both are bioweapons. Both, both are bioweapons. Okay, whichever one you want to go with, pick your bioweapon of choice. All right, and this guy who's responsible for all of it is doing it again. Oh my god, I'm going crazy. I'm going crazy. I don't know what it's going to take. Apparently, it's going to take a lot. We must come together. We must wake everybody up. All right. So, uh, all right. I'm going to end on this special, special ending for the episode unrelated to any of this stuff, which is dun, 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 dun. Uh, the planetary and seismic update full moon warning. This guy predicted, like I said, he predicted the earthquake in Turkey, literally predicted it using the same methodology. And now he's predicting another one potentially. I think in the next couple of days. And so I want to play it for you here. Cause if it's true, then baby, this podcast is so ahead of the curve. It's unbelievable. Take a listen. We had a similar situation on February four and five on the fourth and fifth of February. We also had two planetary conjunctions, both involving Mercury and Venus, including Mercury, sun and Uranus on the fifth. It was followed by a full moon later on the 5th, and then we had this major seismic activity in Turkey on the 6th. This is a similar situation, probably equally critical, but it very much depends on the condition of Earth's crust, the stress levels in Earth's crust, whether or not we're going to have a major seismic event. It requires a larger fault section, uh, two, three hundred kilometers, uh, for a major earthquake to occur. And whether or not that is the case, that is the question. We cannot measure the amount of stress, but we can look at the planetary geometry. And if there are, uh, or is there, if there is a fault section with um, critical amount of stress, this kind of planetary geometry and lunar geometry combined can trigger and will trigger larger seismic activity. But I do expect at least a seismic increase how exactly again that depends on the stress levels in earth's crust watch the coming days we have a convergence of two planetary conjunctions followed by a full moon and we're going to have strong tidal forces as a result and we're going to have a seismic increase but it depends on the stress levels in earth's crust how strong that's going to be we also have mercury right, there's more earth to that Saturn watch it um but he was right last time, so you're recovering here because we cover everything here that's worthwhile before anybody else covers it. That's the Jonathan Cogan Show. Su subscribe. I was going to say surprise. Subscribe to the Jonathan Cogan Show wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to this Rumble channel. Follow on Twitter if you want some awesome videos, at K-O-G-Z. And just support the pod because we're trying to get the truth out there. We're on the same team. Let's help each other out. Doing the best I can, all right? We've done 200 plus episodes of pure truth bombs and we're making waves. We're making waves. That's what we're doing. We're bringing apolitical, unbiased truth and we're making it great again. That's what we're doing, okay? We're making sanity great again. All right, that's all I got for today. I love you. I hope you have an amazing day, night, afternoon, wherever you are in the world. We're all on the same team. I love you. You should love yourself. Do something nice for somebody today or tomorrow if you're going to bed. Hold open a door. Text someone you haven't texted in a while. Say, hey, just thinking of you. Hope all is well. Do something, okay? That's what makes the world go around. That's how we beat these elites, all right? We be kind to one another and we join forces across party lines, across every line, and we realize it's all of us versus the little itty bitty few that are trying to implement the great reset. But we ain't going to have that. It ain't going to happen. All right, thanks for being a part of the Jonathan Cogan Show. I'll see you tomorrow. Fashetta, it's better.